Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Allison Lane is all about the article that Eater ran about her and what she's doing in bar. Uh, yesterday, it's called Stirring for Equity. DC bartenders are using the tools of their trade to advocate for social justice in the hospitality industry and society at large. It's a great piece. If you want to participate in that work, there's a link to bar in this podcast description. Same with the article that we discuss in this episode. Um, I allude to this in the episode uh, that things aren't going well everywhere, and that is why we now have a Patreon account. Please consider donating at youmethemeverybody.com. It's in the this podcast description. It's in every podcast description pretty much since things took a left turn. I'm using the term left turn as a negative thing. Sometimes you can take a left turn in a positive way. This time, not so much. So, uh, Allison and I used to do this show live in front of people in bars, and it was a lot of fun. And at a lot of those shows, people would say, hey, that was great. Could I buy you a drink? And I would always say, no, thank you because the bar would take care of us. Well, guess what? There isn't a bar to take care of us anymore. So if you go to Patreon and want to donate what you would give at a live show, that would be incredibly helpful. Without further ado, Allison Lane on Stirring for Equity. Stirring for Equity. Are you happy with Stirring for Equity? That's a fun title. (laughs) Did you not Um, realize that was the title? Um, no. <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue. You know what? Editors be editing. I don't know. DC bartenders are I'm... using the tools of their trade to advocate for social justice in the hospitality industry and society at large. This went up in the on Eater yesterday at 11 a.m. It is 1.30 the next day on October 15th. Uh, Allison, you are, the, you are one of three subjects of this piece. I would say you're like half this piece. Yeah, uh, it's written by Gabe Hyatt of Eater, who's fantastic. He actually was one of the first uh, people to write about mm-hmm. bartenders against racism. Uh, and he's kind of followed us a little bit since we started, like pretty much the first week. Uh, it also features AJ Johnson and Capri Robinson, mm-hmm. who are two great bartenders here in DC. Uh, AJ did White Plates, Black Faces about uh, the inequity of uh, Black people being represented in. Uh, bars and restaurants in Washington, D.C. And Capri Robinson does Chocolate City's Best, which highlights black bartenders uh, across the country. Did you know these women before June of this year? Yeah, I've known them for a while. Okay. Um, Is there anything that they're saying in this article or in life that's surprising to you? You know, it's, it's only surprising because I feel like for the three of us and probably a lot of bartenders who often work in white spaces, we all are saying the same thing differently. Like mm-hmm. we're all talking about like, I go to work and I try not to just, I just try to go to work and like mind my business. Mm-hmm. I just happen to have a personality, but now I'm sassy or moody or some other bullshit that um, doesn't really exist. So it's like, am I supposed to be this fun personality that you hired or, and you know, placate the situation or Am I supposed to be something else? I don't know. I'm confused now. Guess I'll go make cocktails. So that is a big part of this piece. Yeah. I thought it was a very good piece. I think it's a great one. Okay. So you're happy sharing this. You think this is a good representation of who you are and what you're doing right now. Yeah. And I like the way that Gabe wrote it because I think that he really highlighted that, you know, you, you people talk a lot of shit about us. But we're like, you know what? We're still going to do something about this industry. And, 
you know hold on really quick when you say people talk a lot of shit about you guys do you mean like in a positive way or a negative way both okay (laughs) (laughs) touche okay well what's the majority of the positive things you're hearing but it's not followed up by action I think that people are like, oh my God, it's so cool that you guys are doing these things. It's so cool that you have these programs. It's so cool you're making these cocktails. Uh, I'm sure that's what they've been hearing for years. Because mm-hmm. they've, they've been doing their, I, I think Capri's been doing this for, I know, at least two or three years. And so has AJ wrote about, I don't know if she wrote a book or it was an article. And I, I heard about that about at least four years ago. Okay. So, like, they've been putting the work in, and I'm new to the game. Okay. At least, like, on this front. You're not new to the working in the industry game. You're new to the activism and working in the in the industry. Is that correct? Is that fair? And being publicly recognized for it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, like, they've been, like, in media for a little bit, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very new to it. Yeah. Uh, this aspect of it. Okay. I'm I a see. famous podcaster is what you know me I'm a famous podcaster. So like, I just wonder, like the thing that I'm getting and I'm sure they got in the beginning was like, oh my God, I love that you're having this message and you want to do these things. But it's it's really hard for people to follow through because it's, I think people see a little bit of risk with siding with Black Lives Matter. And see, that's, hold on, stop right there. Oh my goodness. Because that's the thing I don't understand. Okay. Because you one of the places you worked at was supposed to be like the social justice hotel, right? Yes. How is it difficult for them to not side with Black Lives Matter? That's the thing that to me, like, I don't, I don't grasp that. Like, if you're leaning into this type of blank, how do you ignore that? You're talking about one place. That's absolutely true. But this city went 92% Hillary, 4% Trump, 4% other. How is Black Lives Matter not just like common knowledge in a place like D.C.? Does that make sense? You're asking somebody who literally lives it every day. <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, are you asking hypothetically? Because like, there's no answer for that. And honestly, the answer lies with white people. Oh and no, I get that. Trust me, Allison. I know that. Y'all want to just send that out in the, the newsletter? Why are we so <laughs> conflicted about Black Lives Matter? We we want to say it. We want to be about that life, but it's a little dicey. Yeah, that's the thing that I don't like. How is it possibly dicey? And and I real it's not really a hypothetical. I'm thinking of a very I'm thinking of two places. I'm thinking of the place you worked at and the place we used to do our show at. And mm-hmm. one of those is definitely open. They're both open. They're both okay. changing. And neither of them embrace Black Lives Matter in a in an in a way that was reflected in the payroll. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that and to funny. me is mind blowing. It's amazing to me because a lot of these places, a lot of the small businesses want to like see themselves as like cool and radical and all this other shit. But if you were really cool and radical, why are you not as progressive as you can be? Mm-hmm. You're already a business owner. You've already taken the risk. Why not go all in to be like, I don't know, good? <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, not just good in like the product that you serve, but like good in and, and the community that you serve. Yeah, or just reflective. And that's asking to be a lot. You know, they don't want to be black. They they want. Yeah. <laughs> we want to adopt black hip hop night, but we don't want to actually be a black establishment. I don't get it, and I I realize maybe maybe the fact that I don't get it is the reason I'm like looking for work and broke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. 
So, because yeah. the article really, if you if you cut away a lot of it, it's really just like here are three people that should be at this position, but they're not because of the color of their skin, and maybe also because of their gender, but probably because of the color of their skin. Is that fair? Well, we can't extrapolate either one of those things. Being black and woman. No, not really, because the woman that is doing the training with you in the start, she's got a really good job and she's white, right? And gay. See, there you go. So it's like you can't, it really is about, for this one, it specifically seems to be about race and it's not about gender or uh, sexual preference. Uh, I disagree. Okay. 100%. Okay. So you don't want to rank things based on, (laughs) you don't want to lean into that aspect of this. It's definitely about black women. Got it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, you did. <laughs> but like being a black woman in America, being a black woman, having a job, uh, just being a black woman to exist is political and mm-hmm. radical. And to do anything other than play into stereotypes or whatever bullshit people want us to do is is a lot of work. Honestly, every day is exhausting. But I, it's... <laughs> It's it's sad that as a black person, a black woman, um, to laugh is is sort of an, an act of radical self love, and mm-hmm. that really should be that way. Let's lean into making things more difficult. Uh, the article points us out. We've discussed this. The Gibson is closing indefinitely on Halloween. Um, yeah. How has that changed your last month? A ton. Uh, it's it's sad because that the day that he observed us or Gabe Hyatt observed us uh, was the day after we had found out about the Gibson. So we went to the, <laughs> we found out the news probably around noon on Tuesday mm-hmm. and we had already planned like this whole equity program. We found out at noon on Tuesday by one I'm at the Gibson and I brought everybody a fuck everything cake with the 69 candles on top. And we just sat there and we commiserated and cried for hours and it was really sad. And then the next thing we realized, we're like, oh, shit, we still have some things to do for bar. Mm -hmm. And as far as bar goes, uh, uh, the Gibson has been great. And that's kind of where Jewel Murray comes in. Uh, She's the general manager and the secretary for Bartenders Against Racism. Um, They were the first place to offer a space to be able to collect donations. We actually had the entire Gibson full of donations, I think, for like the first two months the bar existed. it's and then like I, I guess afterwards um we had been in talks about how do we do an equitable training program um and equitable and being that we were going to pay people to train at the gibson mm-hmm. like just like just a cute little stipend it wasn't a lot of money and we could afford it and we didn't have to worry about going around to other bars to ask for the space or the time we were just like we can just do it here it's not a big deal and we were planning on launching that, you know, as soon as we could. And, you know, we were in R&D of, like, figuring out, like, what that training program would look like. But now that the Gibson's closing, it's like, okay, well, I guess I can use somebody else's space, but then I have to play by their rules. <laughs> I haven't had to really work with anybody else's rules yet. So I'm kind of a little nervous about that one. So you're still looking for a space? Eventually, yeah. Okay. But I'm also like, it's, it's a, the other point, the biggest thing about the equitable training program is that I was able to give somebody a job for a little bit. Yeah. You know, and that was a big part of it. It's hard. It's hard enough to figure out what your future looks like if you don't have a job or you don't have any income. And like to be able to give somebody some income was like a huge part of it. So now I'm thinking, okay, what other things can I do that allows people to work even for a little bit? 
you guys are working on supply tending the election day. Is that correct? That's correct. Hydrate the vote. How's that looking right now? We're less than three weeks out. Well, we just announced it yesterday. Okay. (laughs) It's looking promising. It's looking promising. I think that everybody's kind of like waiting to see what it looks like. And also like we want people to vote, obviously. And I think that we are we're mostly concerned about how do we reach Maryland and Virginia? Yeah. Uh, very specific Virginia. I think Virginia is going to be really, um, we, we've already seen the early early voting mm-hmm. being obstructed in Virginia um, by. Are you referring to the registration uh, debacle from earlier? Was it this week or last? Actually, no, it was a Tuesday when they, they cut off the registration. The yeah. Early, yeah. No, uh, there was, um, at the polling places, this is about two or three weeks ago, and I want to say it was Fairfax. I might be wrong. Um, there were people with guns and mm. Trump signs uh, blocking the polling place for people trying to either early vote or register to vote. So what you guys are trying to do is raise money for, like, what, bullets? or What, what do you... <laughs> bullets? <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to raise money to just keep people in line because I feel like people were nervous about early voting. Yeah. And also in Virginia, people's um, early voting got sent back to them for stupid shit like, um, you know, not having the correct signature. Mm-hmm. You know, just like little dumb things. So now they have to vote in person. Um, and we want to encourage people like to stay in line because like, let's be honest, voter suppression is real. Mm-hmm. Honestly, voter suppression is racist as shit. Um but we we're going to do the best we can with what we have and that's that's honestly the essence of what bartends against racism is mm-hmm. always is that i may not be able to change policy and i can't fucking change the stupid ass rules but i can give somebody water to keep them motivated to stay out there for these very long lines while they're voting how uh i guess this is a lighter question how is stuff going at electrical at electric Kool-Aid fine they're great Good. Um, last time we spoke, you you were hesitant to work when it's getting colder. It's like a perfect day outside today. It's not cold at all. Uh, right. Do you have an end date or is it a temperature end date? It depends. Well, as you know, I don't know as you know, but like the city has offered people assistance to winterize their establishments. Correct. And it being an entire studio, it's going to be winterized. Uh, they've already set it up. So we'll see what happens uh, when the cold weather hits. So they're actually planning on literally weathering it out to see what happens. But will you be there? Yeah, I still need a job. Oh, I don't disagree, but last time we spoke, you were saying that if it's just too cold, like you're not into it. Oh, I didn't know they were going to winterize it. Got it. Okay. Um, it was really like, I'm not going to go outside in the snow. Yeah. That sounds crazy. <laughs> I didn't know what their plans were. Uh, but yeah, I unfortunately, I am not nearly as famous as I thought I would be by now at 34 <laughs> or... At this junction of me uh, riding the social justice wave, so I have to go to work. But I'm glad it's Electric Kool-Aid. They really are, and this is like not just gassing them up. Like, it's cool to work for people that work in the industry that get it mm-hmm. and aren't dicks about it. Um, they're just really fucking cool, and like I really, I really am super impressed with them and like um, how they're handling the pandemic. And honestly. On a low-key note, how they're handling, like, dealing with, like, um, 
racism in the workplace because mm-hmm. we've had a lot of people come in like wild in classes like into spaces and they're just like you know what mm, we're not really into that we don't like could you give an example i'd rather not okay but it's like you know i feel comfortable working for these people good that way they're cool are you comfortable going out when you're not working at this point I, I mean, I'm working all the time, so yeah, I'm very comfortable. I'm a little too comfortable going out. Got I it. feel guilty every time I go out. You do. Do mm-hmm. you feel that guilt while you're out or once you get home? While I'm out, when I get home, when I wake up. Really? It's not fun. No. Okay. I um, I still. I understand that like, we have to live our lives, and I mm-hmm. feel like at this point, I probably would have gone crazy. Um, staying in the house, but I was fine for the first four months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sad that it took four months uh, for us to still kill so many people uh, in this pandemic. And I'm saying we, when I really mean the president mm-hmm. and not really enforcing, you know, people, you know, staying in during a pandemic. But I mean, dude, I, I, I guess I have to live yeah. my life. I'm very single. Um, at some point I'm going to need people engagement with other people yeah um i don't cook so i would literally starve (laughs) 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 i would literally starve to death um so yeah do you want people to visit you at work or or no i'm indifferent okay okay i've seen i've had friends come visit me at work and i'm like okay that's that's nice, but I can't really talk to you. Yeah. Um, and I know myself. It's very hard, especially like when I I've seen you and your your kids and mm-hmm. friends and their kid, and I'm like, I just want to touch everybody's kid, and I know I can't. Yeah. Really hard, and then like with the adults, I'm like, y'all probably have somebody to fight this, so I'm definitely gonna hug you, and I need to stop doing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, it's it's. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, That's I'm one of the positive to... things about my entire pre-COVID existence was like not being uh, touchy-feely with literally anyone except my wife. I think I've hugged you once. Yeah, that there's a reason. It was weird. <laughs> keep keep everyone <laughs> a, a firm handshake at best. But I like the Irish goodbye. You know what I mean? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I'm a. It's it's um it's a time. It's a yeah. time to be. Um, okay. This article inevitably, not inevitably, I'm assuming this article does well. Uh, more people are going to find out about you. How do you want people to get involved? Do you want people to get involved? Of course. If you have money, um, <laughs> you should send us money to PayPal, um, paypal.me backslash tip the bar. Um, the money will be going to us building uh, this, the supply tending program, which we'll be making an announcement about moving forward. Um, to give you a little bit of a tidbit, we will be, we're focusing on working with black women led nonprofits in Washington, mm-hmm. DC. Okay. Um, we're going to be raising funds and resources for smaller nonprofits that aren't getting a lot of attention in DC, like Wanda Alston house, which serves the trans community mm-hmm. um, in DC um, and stuff like that. So we'll be doing that as well. And also, we're still working on building this equitable training program, which is more like looking to becoming an equitable employment program for the hospitality, the food and beverage industry. 
um, being patrons and workers of third places and people want to, you know, come and get their beer and, you know, commune and do whatever. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that the black and brown people that work in these places are protected um, and have opportunities to, you know, have good lives we deserve it too so if you're listening to this and you are a business owner or you're a liquor rep or you're a beer rep or you're a brewery owner how could they help with bar even people who like the man who makes cream of wheat i don't know we're looking for everybody if y'all got some like brand money we're here for it what they can do is start to look at their their they can reach out to me Mm -hmm. um and they can also reach out to their employer and be like hey what can we do like even if it's like making somebody a brand ambassador for the day or like short term, what sort of situations can we do to create jobs for the hospitality and food and beverage community? And, and, and just from a, an outsider point of view, the easiest thing to do would just be to, to dra- jack up a dollar for every beer sold. If you're a brewery or if you're a bar for that one specific drink and that one specific drink, a hundred percent of that, those one extra dollars go to your organization or go to something uh, a nonprofit that you were going to support. Like that's probably the easiest way to do any of this without costing anyone anything. And you'll probably sell a hell of a lot more alcohol that way. Probably. But you know what? That's not for me to worry about. They can just <laughs> give us money. <laughs> I don't care how they get there. I just need them to get there because at this point they have the money and the access to power that I don't have. I just had this cute little voice and sometimes I have cute hair and eater and I'm Washington post, but you know, it's up to these brands to use their power and their voice and their their pull in the community to to actually do something for the people who are serving their guide to food and you know beverages to the people. 